primary function is to have vision, to be looking at what the new disruptors are and to preparing the culture and the, and the leaders in the company to embrace that disruption, to get there before anybody else, to get the jump on opportunity before anyone else. That, that is the CEO's function. Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Rebecca Costa of RebeccaCosta.com. Rebecca, super excited to have you on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, super excited about all the awesome things that you're doing. And before we jumped into the interview, I want to read a little bit more about Rebecca so you can hear about some of those awesome things. And Rebecca DeCosta is an American sociologist and futurist. She is a preeminent global expert on the subject of fast adaptation and the recipient of the prestigious Edward O. Wilson Biodiversity Technology Award. Her career spans four decades of working with founders, executives, and venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. And Rebecca's first book, The Watchman's Rattle, a New Theory of Collapse was an international bestseller. Her follow-on book titled On the Verge was introduced in 2017 to critical acclaim, shooting to the top of the number the Amazon number one new business releases. Casa presently hosts the, the popular news podcast, The Casa Report, along with 12 world-renowned subject matter experts, and her work has been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today, SF Chronicle, The Guardian, and other leading publications. Rebecca, super excited to hear about all the work that you're doing and even more excited to have you on the show. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? I am indeed that that when I listen to all those credentials, it makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just say a little season and experience and, and a definitely an expert in all the, the uh, things that you've been able to kind of uh, accomplish. So I guess uh, what I wanted to do, could I kind of kick everything off, was rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I like to call your CEO story. Well, I, I was fortunate right after college to land in what later became Silicon Valley. This was the early 80s. And uh, it was just a wonderful time to be a young person when, you know, everything was just new and uh, venture capital was flowing in, in like nobody's business and everybody had an idea that seemed to be fundable. And uh, it was it was just uh, I, I didn't have an appreciation then for um, how uh, supportive the infrastructure was as it was building out for entrepreneurs and for creative thinkers. And uh, I had a science background and pretty much if you could spell your last name, they were hiring uh, because uh, nobody had the, the you know, required uh, prerequisite experience because uh, everything was new. So how could you have, you know, no one had 50 years experience in the semiconductor industry, you know? So uh, you didn't have to have a lot of qualifications. What you had to have was the ability to adapt quickly, learn. Uh, you know, you, you wanted to be a bright person in a, uh, in a very, very dynamic environment and you needed to be able to respond very fast. So uh, I was very lucky to ride the wave 
of any number of technologies and eventually to form my own company. Uh, and um, uh, what, I, what I realized is that I have a great passion for what's next. I have a great passion for what the next disruptor is. It's in my DNA. I'm curious about what the next thing is. And I'm always fascinated that people are just, even CEOs, and CEOs in particular, I feel this is a crime, get really stuck in the minutia. They're looking at quarterly profits. They're looking at operational problems that are going to hang them up. They're, they're, they're really stuck in the minutia. And I'm, I, I think that, um, and this is probably going to get a little bit ahead in your program, and we'll talk about this, but I think that the CEO's primary function is to have vision is to have vision, to, to be looking at what the new disruptors are and to preparing the culture and the, and the leaders in the company to embrace that disruption, to get there before anybody else, to, to, to head off danger and to, to get the jump on opportunity before anyone else. That, that is the CEO's function. And we've reduced it in many cases to profitability. And and I uh, and I think that because of that, our whole economy is suffering. That we are not a future-oriented business community, and uh, and 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 there's a, a bit of a disconnect between futurists like myself. You know, that's the label that was put on me. You're a futurist. Now, I want to make it clear that doesn't mean I talk to dead people or read tarot cards or anything. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm not that kind of futurist. I'm a data analyst. I look at I look at uh, predictive analytical data at, for what is the most likely next trend, and then I work with corporations to help them get ready for that. Right, get there first. And I'm always shocked. I, I go into the C-suite. I go into the board of directors level of of multinational corporations, and they have no idea what's about to hit them. You know, I, I I mean, they look at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. I, I remember, you know, two years ago, three years ago, talking about NFTs. And, and N NFTs are not friendly. <laughs> Let's face it, non-fungible tokens, that already, it sounds like English, but, you know, it's not like a, an actual visual pops up in your head of what a non-fungible token is. Uh, you know, and and so automatically, even the words and people are saying, well, why do we need to care about that? Why, you know, and, and 10 years before that, it was blockchain technology. Why do we need to care about that? So, you know, these things, by the time the leadership hears about them, nine times out of 10, it's too late. You should have been on top of this a decade ago, right? And then that just throws the whole organization into a pressure cooker. And, uh, and I'm against that. I, I think that is the fault of the CEO if you are ever playing catch up. Then the CEO didn't understand what their primary function is. So there's a chunk of data that would be really valuable. Why is it valuable? For two reasons. The negative reason is it's going to slam you up the side of the head. Somebody's going to fund it, buy it, license it, and it's coming, right? Number two, you could make an investment or buy that patent or secure it at the lowest possible price when it's provisional. P 
People who are filing provisional patents generally need funding. What a wonderful opportunity to get in there early, right? So the second, the second chunk of data, uh, what is your program for checking on major research projects in universities? When I saw that, I said, well, how are you getting your information about the future? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love how you said, you know, institutionalizing that aspect. And, and so I know this is like some of the, the work that you do with clients. And this might also, you know, touch on what I like to call your secret sauce um, and what sets you apart and makes you unique. Do you think that organizations that um, I guess institutionalize you, sometimes you hear there's organizations like Google, you hear they have a certain amount of time that they spend on creativity. Just do you think that's the path that organizations should be doing and not lose sight of, the, of that creativity? the innovation and, and, and looking ahead to, to see how they could solve not just today's problems, but tomorrow's problems. Do you think that's the way um, you work? And obviously that is needed in organizations as a whole. Yes, I, I think you have to institutionalize innovation. The same way you institutionalize efficiency in your corporation and profitability, you have to have people, budget, processes assigned right, that are identifiable, that everyone in the company knows. You know who to go to in HR if you uh, didn't get your paycheck. In that same way, you've got to institutionalize innovation. And you mentioned what my company does. My company's called the Costa Group. That's what we do. We go into corporations and we help them to institutionalize innovation. And sometimes it starts out with very simple things. Like there's an innovation trade show inside the company one day a, a year. And all the board and the C-suite, the CEO has to be present. And on that day, uh, we go curate university developments that are relevant to them. We go curate people that have patents that are relevant to them. And they come into the corporation and actually show them what they have so that it's not theoretical. You can touch and feel the innovation. You know that it's real. And then we ask them, do you want to put money into it? Do you want to license the technology? Do you want to partner with this company? And then each of those, those uh, uh, demonstrators sit down with the board and the top management and they make a decision in that room. We're going to move forward. It's premature. It's not our business line. We're not going to move forward. Uh, we're, we think that this is a good opportunity for us to fund you, to license, get an exclusive license, uh, you know, whatever, partnership, whatever it is. But they make a decision in that room. And, and then it flows downward. That kind of progressive action and support to assign people at lower levels to move forward with these innovators, it's got to come from the top down. It never works. Innovation never works when it's from the bottom up. It never works. You lose those people. No, that's extremely powerful. So I wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit, and I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, something from your books or, or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? And, you know, I didn't, I didn't get deep enough I, I was just looking, I only had time for the actual result. And that unfortunately caused me to, to turn my attention to what wasn't working. 
I asked those questions of things that weren't working and weren't producing. So if we missed a sales goal, I go, all right, well, why did we miss the sales goal? What are we going to do? You know, so I, I became very negatively focused as opposed to focusing in on, well, what did the people that exceeded their goals right? Or who brought innovation into the company or who changed the way we did things in the past. What, what did they do differently? And how do I get more of my company to behave like them? So um, unfortunately, I was, you know, I was like a lot of CEOs. I'm focusing in on what's not working, yeah. <laughs> trying to fix it. And I, I, I think that didn't make me a good CEO. Yeah. Also, yeah. I, I think this is just, a, a, you know, it probably doesn't fall under a hack, but I think it's, it, it is very important. And that is um, as, as animated as I am today, right? Um, I'm an introvert. Mm. So, you know, when I'm working on something in my office and somebody comes in and they have a pants on fire emergency, I, I feel a little resentful <laughs> because I want to get my work done. That's how introverts are. So I think you have to be true to your own style. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. So that actually is like segue right to the question that I was going to ask, which is around the CEO nugget, which is essentially like something you might tell your younger business self or advice you would give to your best client. And I almost wonder if that's it, because um, the, the word that you said, it obviously you said you were introvert. So, um, you know, this is the way that you could show up to kind of show your team. Yes, I, I had a vice president of finance one day tell me people think you don't like them. And, and, and I, I said, well, why would they think that? If I don't like someone, it's not as though I, I wouldn't tell, you know, say, hey, I have a problem right. with you. I, I, have, <laughs> right. I have command of the English language. I would try to resolve my differences with them. Do I seem like a person who would dodge that? And they, and they said, no, but we noticed that when there's a company party, you only stay for five minutes and leave. You don't have cocktails with us. You don't hang with us. Like, we, we have these picnics and you, you, you come to the picnic and then you leave. It's like you don't like us. And I said, I'm just not comfortable in really large groups. And they said, but you make speeches to five and 10,000 people in a room. And I said, that's different. I'm on a stage. I know what I'm going to talk about. And then I go back to my hotel room and order room service, have a bath and catch my flight home. <laughs> so, you know, it's not important. You know, it's not just important to be true to yourself. It's important to communicate that. One thing I will say is that all CEOs need to be honest about their focus on the future and whether they have institutionalized innovation and whether they have put people, actual people and resources toward their company's future, or are they focused on efficiency? That makes so much sense. Well, awesome. I truly appreciate that definition. I obviously appreciate your time even more. What I want to do now is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best people could get a hold of you, listen to your show, get copies of your book and find out about all the awesome things you and your team are working on. Well, they can reach me at my name, uh, RebeccaCosta.com. That's R-E-B-E-C-C-A-C-O-S-T-A.com. Uh, there's a lot of videos and articles and interviews that I've done on that on that page. And also there's a link to our podcast, which will which is dedicated completely toward disruptors, future disruptors. So any CEOs listening right now, the podcast is a must. 
whether it's space flight or uh, nutrition, or we're talking about the broadcast world, whatever it is, we're on top of what's going on in the future. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate that. And of course, to make it even easier, we'll have the links and information um, in the show notes so that everybody can subscribe, follow up with you, and, and of course, contact you uh, to make sure they're institutionalized, that innovation within their organizations. Truly appreciate that. Rebecca, of course, appreciate your time again even more, and I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. IMCEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Check out the latest and greatest apps, books, and habits to level up your business at ceohacks.co. This has been the IMCEO podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.